feel addicted to their devices. Hi, I'm Taino Benz, and this is Tech Life Balance, a show dedicated to raising awareness on the effects that digital technology is having on us, but most of all, helping you find that balance of using this amazing technology, but still not being distracted from your life and what you want to do. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by Emma Lemke, who's the founder of the Log Off Movement, which is an initiative created by teenagers for teenagers to support them building healthy tech habits, improving mental health and understanding digital technology. Hello Emma! Hello! Awesome to have you on and we've been trying to schedule this using digital technology for months and finally we have this chat so it's it's great to talk. Absolutely, been looking forward to this and I'm, I'm so excited that you're having me on, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, cool. So, so uh, do you want to start um, telling me and the listeners a bit about the Log Off movement? And I'm especially interested in like, what made you go into this and like, yeah, where you get everything from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it all kind of started with me being uh, 19, almost 20 year old. Um, but I, I got social media in the sixth grade. So I was about 12 years old. Um, so as with most members of Gen Z, you know, grew up with my childhood, having a phone in my hand, having social media readily available, accessible um, in a, a large part of my life. So um, in the sixth grade, I got Instagram, which was my first social media app, and then eventually making my way up, you know, to the classics, Twitter, Snapchat, um, Musical.ly, which then turned into TikTok. Um, and while I was getting, you know, these apps, and as I was continuing to explore these online realms, that initial kind of allure and magnetism that pulled me in, that told me, you know, I'd get more connections, I would be closer with my friends around me. Um, it wore off really quickly and it just left this addictive pattern that was harming me. So, you know, I would scroll for five to six hours every day, just kind of mindlessly going on Instagram whenever I was bored, whenever I didn't know what to do, whenever I knew I had to do something else, but I didn't want to do it. Um, it became kind of that crutch for me that very quickly turned into a parasitic relationship because um, I couldn't find myself able to get off, even though I felt like I was leaving more depressed. I felt like I my anxiety was increasing at a substantial rate. And especially as a young woman going through sixth, seventh, eighth and ninth grade, it's an incredibly important developmental period when you also are working through um, self-image and, and kind of societal expectations. Um, and I kind of grew up and went through that kind of dialogue and that coming of age story while also consistently having a source that fueled disordered eating that allowed me to see everything I didn't have that perpetuated editing um, and having that outlook and having that kind of readily accessible and available shoved me into extremely kind of harmful patterns. Um, and it got to the point where in ninth grade, I was really heavily addicted, harmed my mental health was deteriorating at a rapid pace and I took a step back after hearing like a buzz of my phone and having the Pavlovian response to just grab it I said like what on earth am I doing like I'm someone who values control I value um really uh being um in, in tune with myself and my body and my mental health and I was allowing an app and allowing these kind of online platforms to 
completely take over my life. Um, so that one question really spiraled into um, a, a robust period of, of personal research. So looking up everything from is social media bad for you to, you know, like what are the studies that show the negative correlation or the positive mm. correlation between increased rates of screen usage and anxiety and depression? Um, so looking at all of that, um, it allowed me to see that there was an issue, but what it also allowed me to see was the sad reality that teens weren't talking about it. All mm. these studies were conducted by researchers and labs and universities, but the, the kids and the teens that were really being harmed the most and that have grown up with social media and have seen its negative impact, especially while developing and being a kid, they weren't the ones leading the dialogue. So I knew that there needed to be some space for teens to get together, have these conversations, begin to work on destigmatizing, talking about healthier tech habits, negative experiences, positive experiences, because then with having that community, you begin to see, and I've, I've seen when I launched Log Off, that teens become empowered to then push forward and ask, you know, how can we in the future take these experiences, seeing as we're the experts in the field, we've experienced this, and how can we take that to produce a better future for the next generation, for my kid in the future, or for my cousin, um, asking, you know, what what does technology need to look like, and how can we, as a generation, help make sure that that happens going down in the future. And I think it really is in leveraging experiencing experiences and in leveraging, um, and, you know, just stories and, and, and youth voices. So that was the idea for log off that launched in 2020, um, during my high school, my, I guess my senior year in high school during COVID. Uh, and then from there, it's just grown into this robust community of teens who come to us and they want to engage with digital well-being, screen usage, all things that kind of encompass that conversation. Um, and then wanting for um, wanting on our end to provide outlooks and provide resources, whether that's through an educational perspective, whether that's through our blog or Teen Leadership Council, um, wanting to provide spaces to empower and uplift teens and their stories. Mm. So that's the log off movement um, as a whole and kind of how it came to fruition mm. through my own personal experience. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I mean, from from my perspective, I think, you know, really inspiring to hear how you managed to take that because I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of teens are in the same situation and scroll away hours a day. They feel bad. They experience all of these things that you said um, and, and like, don't, don't really know what to do about it. And, and you, you know, did something about it on your own and also are helping to inspire other people as well. So I think that's, that's really cool. Um, so, so how something that I've found that is, that's been really interesting when I've been out talking to specialist students has been how, how willing they are to change. Like mm -hmm. you, my generation, so I'm a millennial or, or older generations might look at teens and say, oh, they're so addicted. They, they can't put it down all of this stuff. Um, but then when I go out to students, to universities, they come up to me and they're like, I really want to change. I know that my behavior isn't good for me, but I don't know what to do. We had this one challenge where people were supposed to delete an app. And I just said, you know, delete any app and expect the people to delete like a parking lot app or whatever. Yeah. And they yeah. delete TikTok, they delete Facebook just because someone's kind of holding their hand. So, mm -hmm. so do, do you find that too, that like 
teens, I mean, you said that the teens come to you, they want to be involved, like how it's a bit paradoxical, isn't it? That, that yeah. if we talk about teens, any, any group, but, but specifically teens want, want to change, but also keep doing this behavior that's bad for, for them or for us. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely see that in the space and, and interact with it on a daily basis. Um, and I actually just had a long call with my um, kind of uh, co-director, Emmy Kim, about it. You know how older generations, a lot of times, I think, perpetuate um, and this narrative that, you know, we're screenagers, like as members of Gen Z, as a younger generation, everyone's just absorbed in their devices. And it's kind of this active choice to like retreat into online worlds and to be kind of um, performative and, and, um, and very uh, just showy. And I think that that's the ironic part and the, the paradoxical um, kind of existence of a, a member of Gen Z, like you said, is yes, I think a lot of people are so heavily addicted to devices, but there is a level of understanding, especially over the past few years. Um, digital consciousness that I've seen has skyrocketed. Um, I've seen, just like you said, teens coming up to me and saying, I'm tired. I, I want to take a step back. Like, I want to do this. But there always is that there that barrier. It feels like um, it feels like the barrier to entry is just so high to get to a place where you can have healthier screen um, techniques and and kind of habits. And I think that's where log off and organizations and work like yours and like podcasts like this really help is because I think that what needs to happen is first a destigmatization mm-hmm. of the conversation and the process in and of itself of detaching and in stepping back and reflecting and saying, this is an issue. I Like I had to say to myself, I'm addicted. Mm-hmm. I am on my screen way too much. I don't want to admit it, but I need to do something about that. And I think that for each individual, it will become so much easier to have that realization, to have a level of digital consciousness and to actually take the next step in getting involved with an organization in having better behavioral habit, like tactics and habits by creating interventions, by downloading like Stanford habit lab or, or a screen time track or anything that might help kind of regulate screen time usage, that will become so much easier when the conversation is more mainstream and when more movements have become kind of widely known, because I think it's then that when you see in reality and you like look around you in the real world, you see movements that reflect your own beliefs and what you're yeah. feeling, then there's a level of empowerment and affirmation because mm. that's kind of what I wanted to provide with log off is like, I didn't have the space when I was a sixth grader or seventh grader who I knew that there was an issue. I didn't have that opportunity um, or to go to someone and say like, I'm struggling. Are you struggling too? Like, I, I want to know there wasn't that opportunity necessarily because one, there was the stigma and two, there wasn't the community. Yeah. So it's a pretty, sorry, sorry to, to interrupt. It's a pretty big ask to put on anyone, especially a teenager to go like, wait, hey, stand up, you know, stand up for, <laughs> for this, be the weird one in your friendship group exactly. who says, Hey guys, shouldn't we put down our phones and just hang out or like, you know, yes. it's pr- pretty tough to, to no, do it's, that. It is so tough. And, there, there is a level of just kind of um, uncomfortability when it comes to that. Like you said, mm. just being the one to say, I remember I was so embarrassed to say, hey, we're at dinner. Can we stack our phones? Mm. Um, but I, I think it's ironic because like, for instance, individually in conversations with my friends, I had grayscale on for a while mm-hmm. and my friends would go, that's so disgusting. Like, what are you doing? 
And then those were the friends that texted me like a day later and said, like, how do you, like, how do you turn that on? Like I'm spending spending a lot of time. So that's another thing. I think it it does take individual conversations Mm -hmm. to then be comfortable expanding to the group because in group settings there, I think it still is that stigma of like, you don't want to be the one you don't want to be the push. Um, and, And like you said, though, I, I always say this, like there's a top down processing and there's bottom up processing mm. from the bottom up, you know, individually starting those conversations, being the catalyst, um, working on individual screen time habits. Like that's so important, but it shouldn't be the expectation, like you said, because it's really difficult. So how do you make it easier then to have those conversations other than building community, reaching out, having those kind of um, productive tools put into place if you need it? it would be from the top down. So regulation, um, whether that's like the age appropriate design code, like whatever's moving in your local area, or if that's through an educational perspective. So saying, how can we get curriculums into schools? How can we have these conversations and get consciousness sparked at a younger age? Um, it, It really does come from both perspective. And I think that it will really like, we'll see this large shift in kids being able to take the next step and not just kids, other generations, when those two things are moving together. It's not just an individual um, kind of expectation and it's not just the expectation of a larger structural entity. Mm. I think when those come together is when you'll see a lot of movement and shifts. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's well well put. And like with, with any other um, challenges that we've faced last decades or, or even, you know, 50 years, like... Uh, smoking, alcohol, mental health, all these different things that that are first stigmatized and no one dare to talk about it. And then people start talking about it and there's more and more research and then there's change, but it has to be, like you said, both top down and and bottom up. Um, So, I mean, we we said it during the pre-talk, we we could probably talk for, for hours, but we're kind of starting to wrap up this conversation for this time a bit might need to have have you on again Emma in a while <laughs> but um I'm I'm all about like trying to to help you know people practically so so I've got two questions for you um one is if if a teenager is is listening listening to this recognizing themselves in in what you described what what's your advice on kind of first steps to them and also connected to that, if a parent of a teenager is, is listening to this, who's seeing unhealth or like their, their teenager not doing well in terms of, of tech and like seeing the effects, what's your advice for them? Mm-hmm. So for the teen, I would say if, if you want a community, if you want a space, log off is there for you. Um, but if you want to just kind of explore this conversation, if you want to dabble, look around at digital well-being, see if this is something that you really um, want to take part in, or at least explore for your own individual benefit. I highly suggest, you know, taking smaller steps and not expecting a huge like macro change all at once. So for me, you know, going to the Screen Time Genie, which is a, um, a thing that was created I think it was through a Stanford lab. And if you go on there, you can kind of type in your level of dedication to having digital well-being, and it will provide different ways that you can engage, whether that is through, you know, turning on grayscale or having a screen um, tracker, or if that's, you know, going on like walks every day at the same time, instead of when you would usually pick up your phone and scroll. I think exploring those possibilities and seeing what can you start with then observe the impact 
and then continue along if, if you think it's necessary. But again, I always say it's so based on the individual. For me, I had to completely unplug for a while and then get back on and find better habits. But for, you know, my, my close friend, it really was, you know, downloading a screen tracker app to say, Hey, you're on your phone for an hour. Do you want to be on it right now? Mm. Um, so being comfortable and willing to explore and figure out what works best for you, I think is the best mentality going forward. And if you want assistance in that, if you want to engage further in advocacy, log off is there to help. Um, and then for parents, you know, I'd say thank you for wanting to engage in the conversation. Uh, it's so difficult, I think, especially because my mom let me on Instagram and Snapchat and all these apps, but we both were like kids going into it. Neither of us understood what that could do to my mental health. And now that we've had a good kind of, um, we've had a, a good amount of years to see studies kind of proliferate that say that there is a negative correlation, that there that there is this kind of possibility for harm. I think it is really important for parents to come at the conversation uh, as soon as possible with their kids to really set boundaries, to talk through um, how to find supportive communities online, but then also to come at it from a non-judgmental perspective. Mm, I highly suggest if you go to Fair Play or if you look up Dear Parents, it is a resource that was co-created by two teens. I've worked with both of them um, through Log Off, Eliza Cobins. Um, is one of them. And they create a resource that goes through how to set boundaries with your kids through a very optimistic, curious perspective Mm. um, based around creating and and sharing resources rather than judging your child Mm. based on their time habits. Because again, you're, you're working up against these huge tech companies and you're working up against, you know, uh, neuromarketers and neuroscientists, like Mm. it is no one's fault, but it will become our fault if we don't do something. And if we don't engage in productive conversation. Yeah. And like, I I love that with, with the, well, both advice really, really good. And on the parent side, like joining forces with your child rather than working against them, judging them, what are you doing? Put down your phone, you know, because then you'll get another enemy and they'll like turn to technology (laughs) maybe to, to, Yeah. And you need to reflect. It's a reflection thing too. Like I know I always joke with my parents, like I've become my father. I've become my mother. Like Mm -hmm. kids um, learn from, from what they see. Um, And I think that that's super important too, is saying, if you are going to create these healthier habits with your kid, create them in your own world too. So like Mm -hmm. when you do go out to eat, you are the one instigating and saying like, I'm going to put my phone down and like talk with my kid. I think that's another issue. A lot of people kind of uh, another trap people fall into is, you know, creating expectations and not working through them on your own. Mm. So it's kind of, like you said, taking it as a family goal Mm. and moving forward, not just as a like expectation as of your child. Um, Mm. I think it's a really important perspective and tone change that leads to so many more productive dialogues, conversations and, Mm. and kind of habits. Yeah. Oh, so so good. Let's let's um, for for today. I think uh, you know. Let's end on on those two, which I'll I'll repeat uh, afterwards as well. The advice for for teenagers and for parents, which I think is great, and like people hearing this resonating with them. Check out log of movement, um, and and let's get the conversation going. Um, and yeah, so so Emma, thanks. Great chatting to you, and and. Um, Thanks for coming on on the podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. 
Wow, how cool is Emma and the log off movement? Make sure to check it out. And just to repeat her advice, if you are a teenager listening to this or if you're a parent, for teenagers, take small steps. Don't expect a massive change all at once. Check out the Screen Time Genie if you Google that, which is a great tool to start exploring your journey to digital well being. And again, it can be small steps like turning on grayscale, turning off notifications, starting a screen tracker, or maybe taking a bit of a digital pause, um, whatever comes up there for you. Explore the possibilities and then also observe the impact. And I always say, you know, focus on what are you getting, not what are you giving up. And check out Log Off Movement if you want to engage further, get support, talk with other teams. And then for parents, Try to come onto the conversation as soon as possible to talk together, help your child or, or um, help the young person find these online communities, set boundaries, and remember to come at it in a non-judgmental way, rather supportive. There's also a great resource called Dear Parents, which you can check out. And lastly, being a role model. So creating habits in your own world too. And Emma's example is great. If, you, if you're at dinner, start with putting down your own phone, your phone, and probably others will follow suit. Thanks for listening and um, feel free to get in touch if you have any questions or requests for episodes and I'll see you again soon. Bye.